0: Uh, Turn with me this morning in your Bible to um, Psalm 24 Psalm 24 Now I haven't forgotten about 2 Chronicles chapter 20 Last week we looked at verse 12 And I did say we would return to that Not just at the present time While it was my intention to deal with that subject today We will leave it to a later Lord's Day morning. Psalm 24, and we'll read together the whole psalm. Let's hear the word of the Lord. Let's remember we're reading God's infallible, inerrant, inspired word. The earth is the Lord's, and the fullness thereof The world and they that dwell therein. For he hath founded it upon the seas and established it upon the floods. Who shall ascend into the hill of the Lord, or who shall stand in his holy place? He that hath clean hands and a pure heart, who hath not lifted up his soul unto vanity, nor sworn deceitfully, he shall receive the blessing from the Lord. And righteousness from the God of his salvation This is the generation of them that seek him That seek thy face O Jacob Selah Lift up your heads O ye gates, And be ye lift up Ye everlasting doors And the king of glory shall come in Who is this king of glory? The Lord strong and mighty, the Lord mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, O ye gates, even lift them up, ye everlasting doors, and the King of glory shall come in. Who is this King of glory? The Lord of hosts. He is the King of glory. Selah. Amen. We know the Lord will stamp with his own approval and blessing this reading of the Holy Scriptures. Now, my text this morning is taken from Psalm 24 and the verse 8. It says, Who is this King of Glory? The Lord strong and mighty, the Lord mighty in battle. And I want us to think today. Of the Lord mighty in battle in D Day. Now, D Day was also known in history as the longest day. D Day was 75 years ago last Thursday. So I want you to think back to the 6th of June, 1944. A day immortalized in the memory of the whole of the United Kingdom, as I've said, as the longest day. On that day, 75 years ago, General Eisenhower, the supreme commander of the Allied forces, said this, and I'm partially quoting. Soldiers, sailors and airmen of the Allied Exhibitionary Force you're about to embark upon the greatest crusade towards which we have striven these many months. The eyes of the world are upon you. The hopes and prayers of liberty-loving people everywhere march with you. In company with our brave allies and brokers and brothers in arms in other fronts, you will bring about the destruction of the German war machine. The elimination of Nazi tyranny over the oppressed people of Europe and the security for ourselves in a free world. Your task will not be easy. Your enemy is well trained, well equipped, and battle hardened. He will fight savagely, but this is the year 1944. The tide has turned, the free men of the world are marching to victory. I have full confidence in your courage, devotion to duty, and skill in battle. We will accept nothing less than full victory. Good luck, and let us all beseech the blessing of Almighty God upon this great and noble undertaking. Now these were stirring words of General Eisenhower, the supreme commander of the Allied forces, as they waited to assault the five beaches of Normandy. Remember, in 1944, the United Kingdom stood alone. Its back was against the wall. The United Kingdom faced a totalitarian regime. What if Hitler had won World War II? What if the Nazis had defeated the Allied troops in European soil? What if D-Day had not been successful 75 years ago on Thursday past? There are many what-ifs. Could I tell you? We would not be enjoying free civil and religious liberty. Would not be meeting in this building. We would not enjoy in the United Kingdom a parliamentary democracy. We would be in a totalitarian State. And you see, I believe this morning that we should be thankful to Almighty God for the very basic freedoms that we enjoy. Remember, freedom is not free. Job said, remember the battle. You see, there's no real freedom without sacrifice. There's no real freedom without eternal vigilance. People say today, we'll forget the past. But I want to tell you that's a bad practice. We can't redress or change real history. The Bible encourages us to remember the former things of old. There's 273 references to the word remember in the Bible. You see, God wants us to recall things to our mind. And I believe he wants us to remember the facts of D-Day. And I want you to think of 156,000 Allied troops going to land on the beaches of Normandy. I saw footage on Wednesday and Thursday of certain veterans of that era making the return journey and how emotional and tearful it was for many. So, so you think of the 156,000 men board thousands of ships The ramps are opened and they wade ashore through the water onto the various beaches. Five beaches in total. Gold, Omaha, Utah, Sword and Juneau. There's also 23,000 paratroopers descending from the sky on some of those beaches. 11,990 aircraft were used. 6,939 ships Including HMS Belfast HMS Ulster HMS Eglinton A total troop number 195,700 One of the most mightiest Military invasions Or operations That ever took place In modern history Now young people What does D-Day stand for? Isn't that confusing? The children and the young people maybe don't know. You could think, well, D stands for drive. Or maybe D stands for deliverance. Can I tell you that D stands for nothing in particular? The actual D means date. Date, day. It was really an important military operation in its beginnings. It was the date of a military operation was about to start And that's why it was called D-Day One of the most famous, as I've said Is in the 6th of June, 1944 75 years ago in Thursday past Known as the longest day Could I tell you it was a day of divine intervention and help? Did you know that the great Field Marshal Montgomery the one who led the British troops into Normandy, in his speech to his troops on the eve of that day, he quoted Psalm 24, verse 8. He mentioned to his troops that the Lord mighty in battle goeth with you and may give you special providence even as he leads you into victory. Now, as I thought of what I seen on Wednesday and Thursday. I decided then before the Lord that I would preach this morning on this message. And if you look at the words in the text, it says, who is this King of glory? The Lord strong and mighty, the Lord mighty in battle. And I want us to think of three things this morning in the time that we've left. Think of the characteristics of the battle. You see, what sort of battle Was taking place in D-Day. What was the day like? Could I suggest to you that D-Day was a divine day? Here's one of the characteristics of that day. It was a day of divine intervention. I could give you two proofs. There was a sign in the sky. And there was a sign in the sea. Let's think of the sign in the sky. Did you know that as the darkness disappeared and the dawn of the Tuesday, the 6th of June, 1944, appeared, historians record a big rainbow directly over where the soldiers were going to land on the beaches of France. The pilots flew straight through it. It was arched over the beaches. Think of that. A sign in the sky. If you Google, you'll come across this statement, the rainbow... Of invasion mourning. because that's what it's known as, and that's what it's called. And it was seen as a token by the Lord, a token that the Lord was on the side of the allied forces. That 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 God was not only in the side of the allied forces, but maybe better, the allied forces were in the side of the Lord as they went forth to face the enemy. In Wednesday past, one of the readings from the platform in Plymouth was Romans 8 and 31. If God before us, who can be against us? And you see, the rainbow in the sky encouraged the soldiers and the sailors and the airmen. It encouraged them to have faith in the Lord. To, to trust in him, to, to depend on him alone for victory. You see, the rainbow belongs to the Lord. I know, sadly, the rainbow has been hijacked today, but let's remember that God created the rainbow. He says, I've set my bow in the sky. And Young people, when you see a rainbow, you remember this, that God is love. But not only God is love, but remember, God is light. Because in the rainbow, you've got seven wonderful colors. And we could speak about the creation of the rainbow, the the, the colors of the rainbow. The rainbow's characteristic is that it's arched upwards. It's a bow with no arrow. Now, now think of its creator. Think of its colors. Think of its character. The, The red, of course, is... Uh, 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 the 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 top colour it, it gives off a reddish hue. The bottom is is bluish in colour, and 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 surely that teaches us the blue symbols water. Uh, and you you only have to think about Noah's flood. Think about the fact that 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 God judged this world by a flood, and that judgment is passed, and salvation for eight was in the ark. Uh, and um, we rejoice that the curse of man's wickedness has been judged by a, a merciful holy God. And then the red, remember, speaks of fire. And, and and this world, of course, is reserved for judgment by fire in a coming day, according to Second Peter chapter 3, verse 10. I believe this morning that the rainbow was probably the atheist and the agnostic's worst nightmare. Because the rainbow is proof of a creator One who is fulfilling his plan and purpose for the world And and, um, you see when you see a rainbow You should remember God is love God is light But God as well as life When the atheist sees a rainbow It means nothing to them They they shrug their shoulders, so what? There's nothing attractive about it There's nothing important about it to them They have no relationship with the God of heaven They don't see themselves as a creature in his image They certainly don't see themselves As one of his children They they, they can't see the colours They can't appreciate the sign of the rainbow But what about you? What about our soldiers Sailors and airmen in that morning When they seen it To them it was a sign of divine favor It was a sign that God was with them That God is love That God is light That God is life Do you know him? Are you trusting and depending on him this morning As creator and maker? What about the sign in the sea? Sunday night The 4th of June 1944 Monday Monday the 5th of June, 1944. What was happening in the English Channel? Do you know that there was a big storm in the English Channel? Look up the history books. Go back to the weather charts. The waves apparently were 8 to 13 feet high. So choppy that it wouldn't be safe to cross. And yet remember this. Think of that day. day. And they had postponed it for 24 hours. From the 5th to the 6th of June. And that was providential. Because God is the one who controls the storm. And God can use a storm. And he did 75 years ago to to outwit the Germans. You see, the Germans thought, well, the English, as they called them, will not invade in such stormy weather. In the Normandy beaches where the Germans were entrenched, there was very few, if any, German officers. No superiors to tell the soldiers what to do. They, they thought, well, there's no way the English is going to invade. The weather is so bad. They'd be mad if they did. They, they'd be shipwrecked. Could I tell you something else? On that very day, there was no German U-boats in the English Channel. See, the weather was against them. And they were thinking, well, the weather's against the English attacking. But here's amazing what happened. What happened? Things changed very suddenly. On the Monday night, in the Tuesday morning of the 6th of June, the storm disappeared. And the storm gave way to stillness. And the English Channel became like a sea of glass a, a great calm, a, a calm and a stillness. And that fooled the Germans. And they were taken by surprise. You see, God sent the storm. God still the storm God controls the winds and the waves and the soldiers were able to make it safely across the channel remember in the Sea of Galilee the Lord Jesus stood up in a storm he commanded the winds and the waves and this is what he said peace be still maybe you're here this morning and you're a Christian and there's a storm tearing your life apart and it's, it's ripped you upside down and inside out. But you know what? God is able to bring a stillness even in the midst of the storm. God's able to give peace in the storm. Do you know what the Bible says in Psalm 120, 107 and in the verse 29? Let me just read it to you. Psalm 107 verse 29. And this is what it says. He maketh the storm a calm so that the waves thereof are still. When we think back to our history, 1588, God sent a storm to defeat the Spanish Armada. The hand of God operated in our history, and the hand of God was operating in the history of D-Day. D-Day was a divine day. Could I tell you as well in the characteristics, it was a dreadful day. Did you know there was 12,000 casualties? 4,414 soldiers lay dead. The worst loss of life was an Omaha Beach. It was the um, killing ground of D-Day. Massive loss of young life, young American soldiers. The Nazis' machine guns were well dug in. Thousands were gunned down as they tried to wade ashore. And here we are, we meet 75 years on from that day On Thursday past We have to remember the men who made the supreme sacrifice Men who gave their lives Today For our tomorrow You see, we we live in an age when this is largely forgotten When many have forgotten the Lord The mindset of militant atheism is no God And many have no interest in God or the Bible or Christ, or their soul, salvation, or eternity, or, or, or sin. But when I thought of our war veterans, who, who gave their today for our tomorrow, I, I thought of the sights and sounds of the battle. I, I thought of those that were dead and those that were dying, the loss of life, the loss of limbs. I, I thought about those who shed tears for their comrades. And I thought of a great sacrifice. How could we ever forget? It, it's right that we remember the battle. It was a dreadful day. Can I tell you something else quickly? It was a decisive day. Do you know that the 6th of June, 1944, D-Day was a turning point in the war? That day was a day when things were tipped in favor of the Allied forces. Yes, there was heavenly losses. Yes, there were setbacks. But from that day, it was, as General Eisenhower said, forward to a glorious victory, forward to a wonderful freedom. In the 8th of May, 1945, you had VE Day, almost a year. Victory in Europe Day. The war was won. You see, D-Day signaled the defeat of the enemy. And that's what I want you to think about this morning, the characteristics of this battle. What was the the battle of D-Day like? It was a day of divine intervention with a sign in the sky, a sign in the sea, It was a dreadful day, a day of the loss of life and suffering, but it was a decisive day because that day heralded uh, uh, the defeat of the enemy and a wonderful victory to come. Now, think secondly, and think very quickly, if you look back at the text, it not only mentions the word battle, but it says the Lord strong and mighty, the Lord mighty in battle. And I want you to think of the commander of the battle, you see, I believe that Psalm 24, verse 8, is a direct reference to the Lord Jesus Christ. I also want you to think of a human commander. Remember Field Marshal Montgomery. He quoted these words of verse 8, Psalm 24, verse 8, to his troops on the eve of the battle. Did you know that Field Marshal Montgomery was born in Ville in Donegal? Uh, I believe his family still live in New Park House. It's the family home. There's a local connection to um, the uh, island of Ireland. He was called Bernard. His family came to the province of Ulster at the time of the plantation. Field Marshal Montgomery was a fine Christian man, and, and God used him. God chose this man, Bernard Montgomery. To lead the British forces in the victory on day-day. As a fine Christian man, he took a stand for the Lord. Did you know he stood against the repeal of the Sexual Offence Act in 1967? Where there was the decriminalisation of the sin of homosexuality. Field Marshal Montgomery was a man who took a stand for the Lord. He was a courageous man. The devil would have told him to keep quiet. Don't be controversial like he does today. But in that day, he took a stand for the Lord. Did you know that God used him as well to save thousands of Jews? In the Battle of Alamein, 1942, between October and November of that year, there was a fierce battle. One of the leaders of Nazis had had won. Hitler's intention was to move out of North Africa and go into Egypt. Where he would have killed no doubt 70,000 Jews And also then he would have marched from Egypt into Palestine Where there was half a million Jews And there was 30,000 in Syria And there was 100,000 in Iraq And a lot of innocent lives had been lost If the Battle of Alamean had been lost But Field Marshal Montgomery Through the help of God and the ingenuity And uh, uh, skill of his fighting force They, they won the day And, you know, we should thank God for the Jewish people. We should pray for them. The Bible says pray for the peace of Jerusalem. But we should love them. We hate all forms of anti-Semitism. And I want to say I deplore the actions of Belfast City Council, who are calling for a boycott of Israeli goods in Northern Ireland. We'll be writing to them to protest against this. Field Marshal Montgomery, as a young man, God used him. God used him to take a stand, used him to save thousands of Jews. And Field Marshal Montgomery believed the Bible, young people, to be the word of God. He loved the Lord Jesus with all his heart. He was a man of prayer. In fact, he said to his troops that day, let us pray that the Lord mighty in battle will go forth with us and by special providence work on our behalf and give us the victory. And we need men like him today, God-fearing men, men who who trust in the God of heaven, men who are not wishy-washy. Let's for a moment zoom in and feel Marshall Montgomery's words. The Lord strong and mighty, the Lord mighty in battle. Do you know that the Lord Jesus was mighty in the face of temptation turn over there in your Bible to a couple of references very quickly as we close think of Luke chapter 4 verse 1 and Jesus being full of the Holy Ghost returned from Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness being 40 days tempted of the devil and in those days he did eat nothing and when they were ended that's after the 40 days he afterward and hungered And the devil said unto him, If thou be the Son of God, command this stone that it be made bread. What was Jesus' response? Jesus answered him, saying, It is written that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Think of this temptation. If thou be the Son of God, command this stone that it be made bread. Remember the Lord Jesus hadn't eaten for 40 days. What would have happened if the Lord Jesus had decided, you know, I'm going to make this stone, which he had the power to do, into a loaf of bread and ate it? It could have killed him. You see, I believe that this first temptation, while it was a fleshly temptation, was a trap to kill the Lord Jesus. Because a man who has fasted for 40 days and nights, who's hungered, can't eat solid food. He, he needs a, a liquid diet. Here's the devil And he's saying, you're hungry Command this stone to become bread It'll do you good You see, the devil, remember, wanted him to die He wanted to stop him going to Calvary And this first temptation To do with fleshly desires Was really a trap to kill him But the one who was mighty in battle Wins every battle he fights so often we're easily defeated by the enemy The enemy is too strong for us, too smart for us We, we depend on ourselves. we depend on our strength We depend on our situation And that's what Satan wants But young people, I would say to you Remember the one who was mighty in the battle of temptation And, and the one who, who, who led us into victory By focusing on the word of God and when you're tempted in relation to alcohol or drugs or gambling or, or any other temptation, and you know you're easily deceived and defeated by the devil, your only hope is to rely on the strength of Christ, to, to, to trust in his triumph, to, to lean hard in him and his word. No temptation taken you, but such as come unto man. But God is faithful, who will with the temptation provide a way to escape. And what is the way to escape temptation? To say No. That's what the psalmist did. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. And and if you fill your mind with the word of God and you can say no to that temptation, then you can depend and have victory through the triumph of Christ. What about the battle of human suffering? Turn over there to Luke chapter 22. And look with me at the verse 44. Luke 22 and 44. It says there, And being in agony, he prayed more earnestly, and his sweat was, as it were, great drops of blood falling to the ground. You see, here's another picture. This one who is strong and mighty is not only strong and mighty in the battle of temptation, but he's strong and mighty in the battle of human suffering and satanic Oppression Here's the heavenly soldier now And he's in Gethsemane Gethsemane has to do with the wine press And the olive press And I, I've been there, I've seen it And uh, if you think of a, a big stone Crushing a grape or crushing an olive And then the, the, the um, juice of the, the olive or, or, or the oil of the olive Or, or the, the, the uh, fruit of the vine runs out Here's the Lord Jesus and we're told and being in agony he prayed more earnestly and his sweat was as it were great drops of blood falling to the ground. Do you see the picture? What's going on here? I just want to add this. I came across someone a week and a half ago who, who told me that the Lord Jesus was praying to get out of the cross in the garden of Gethsemane. And lots of Christians think like that. Even some preachers teach that. But I want to tell you that's a lie. That that that's all rubbish and bumpkin. The Lord Jesus set his face like a flint to go all the way to Calvary. He planned to go to Calvary. Remember he's the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. He wasn't trying to get out of Calvary. Here's the Lord Jesus. And he's fighting a battle that's against him, a battle of human suffering and and satanic pressure. And Satan, I believe, through that pressure is trying to kill him uh, by uh, human suffering in the garden before the cross. And in the heat of that battle, the Lord Jesus enters into a medical condition. I can't remember the name of it, but the the blood seeps out through the sweat gland. And the shedding of his blood is a, an indication of the agony of his soul and of his mind. And yet he prays, Father, not my will but thine be done. It wasn't, he was praying to get out of the cross. He was praying that if it was the will of God to, to relieve this satanic pressure uh, so that he would get to the cross. But if it wasn't God's will, then give him grace to endure it. I believe that's what was going on in Gethsemane. And of course, he got the victory. He didn't die there. And maybe you're here this morning and you're discouraged. You're a struggling believer. And and you've got an attitude this morning in the house of God. Preacher, help me. Is there any hope for me? I've had a bad week. I've had loads of pressures. I've got problems going through my mind at home and work and all the rest of it. And there's thousands of demands upon me. What can I do? Is there any help for me? Well, here's the answer. Take your burden to the Lord. Psalm 55 and 22 says, Cast thy burden on the Lord, and he shall sustain thee. What was the Lord Jesus doing in Gethsemane? He was praying. And even though he was in agony, he, he kept on praying. Doesn't the Bible say, Casting all your care upon him. For he cares for your worries, your fears, your, your nightmare." Your, your, your shattered dreams for your family. Take them to the Lord. Leave them there. Mighty in human suffering and satanic pressure. And whatever human suffering you're going through. Bodily pain and agony. Whatever Satan is throwing at you. Remember the Lord is mighty in battle. And you can have the triumph of his victory. What about the battle of the cross? Turn over there to Colossians chapter 2. And it says in verse 13 And you, being dead in your sins, the uncircumcision of your flesh, hath he quickened together with them, having forgiven all your trespasses, blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us, which was contrary to us, and took it out of his way, nailing it to his cross. Notice the reference in verse 14 to his cross. And having spoiled principalities and powers, He made a show of them openly, triumphing over them in it. Here's the battle of the cross. And the Lord Jesus was strong and mighty in this battle, too. He he triumphed over the powers of darkness by his death on the cross. That's what it says. And having spoiled principalities and powers, he made a show of them openly, triumphing over them in it. In what? In his cross. See, he he was challenged, come down from the cross, save thyself. But he didn't. Do you know why? Because on that cross, he was defeating Satan. He was defeating sin. He was defeating the power and sting of death. He was defeating the, the strength of the law that was against us. He was, in fact, fulfilling the law by, by not only uh, having fulfilled its precepts in his sinless life, but by fulfilling its penalty by giving himself up on unto death. He satisfied divine justice and, and the holiness of God. Remember, it's written of him, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? And God the Father turned away his face from Christ in those three hours of darkness. And, and, and on that cross... He won the victory. And if you want proof, think of the empty tomb. Think of Christ leading captivity captive. Psalm 69 verse 18. It's mentioned in the book of Ephesians chapter 4. The man of sorrows emerged victorious. Having triumphed over the law and sin and the grave and the devil and and death and, 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 and everything else. In the battle of the cross That's the commander of the battle Let me just mention the comfort of the battle You see if we go back to our psalm Psalm 24 Here's the psalmist The resurrection has taken place And the ascension Is happening and he's saying to the, the doors and the gates of heaven, Lift up your heads, O ye gates, and be ye lift up, ye everlasting doors, and what? The King of Glory shall come in. And then they asked the question, Well, who is the King of Glory? And here's the answer The Lord, strong and mighty, the Lord, mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, O ye gates, even lift them up, ye everlasting doors, and the King of Glory shall come in. Who is this King of Glory? The Lord of hosts, he is the King of glory. Notice his identity, the Lord of hosts. Notice his capability, he's strong and mighty. Notice his victory, he is mighty in battle. In the battle of temptation. In the battle of human suffering its satanic oppression. In the battle of the cross, the Lord Jesus emerged as a mighty victor. And there's the comfort of the battle. Here's the scene in heaven as he enters it. He enters it as the Lord strong and mighty, the Lord mighty in battle. And this mighty strong Lord can send a storm to the English Channel that outwitted the Germans. He can send a sign in the sky that can encourage our allied forces. He can send a stillness, strange events. The God of miracles, I believe he ordained it all. I believe he was working it out for a divine purpose and plan. So that you and I, 75 years on, could enter into the freedom of others who paid the ultimate sacrifice. And surely that's the comfort of the battle. Do you know him this morning? Have you trusted him? Can you talk about him this morning? The Lord Jesus Christ himself. The one who was born of the Virgin Mary. The one who lived the sinless life. The one who died an atoning death on the cross. The one who who rose victorious from the dead. The one who's now in heaven as the king of glory. Do you Know him. Are you trusting in him? Is he your Lord and Savior today? That's the comfort of the battle. May the Lord bless these few remarks to us this morning.